Candy from Strangers by Mark Coggins is original, smart, and good to the last page, says best-selling author and executive producer of the hit TV series Bosch, Michael Connolly. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Chapter 13. No Defense Against a Crowbar Chris asked me where the hell my jacket was when I returned to the car, but I didn't go back to the house for it, and I didn't answer his question. I didn't do anything but drive. I drove to his apartment, I drove to a liquor store, and I drove home. Since I was going for volume, not flavor, I decided at the liquor store there was no use bothering with an expensive brand of bourbon. I picked one of the rotgut varieties named after an old southern gentleman, no doubt the guy whose name was on the Kentucky State Hospital liver ward, and for the first third of the bottle I did miss the smooth, mellow taste of my usual maker's mark, but after that the distinction seemed illusory. When I woke up the next morning in the middle of my living room floor, however, the distinction reasserted itself with a passion. There's an old Russian saying that there's no defense against a crowbar, and I had to agree, because I seemed to have about ten inches worth wedged into a tender spot in my occipital lobe. The full inventory of complaints included the cold sweats, the whirlies, and a taste in my mouth reminiscent of the collection tray of a bug zapper. All in all, I felt about as vigorous as a beached jellyfish. I rasped into work about a quarter before noon, and found the first thing of the day I could be thankful for. Boniker was not there to further torment me. Gretchen smiled knowingly as I navigated the path to my office by steadying myself against the furniture en route, like an Eskimo jumping from ice floe to ice floe. Had a little too much fun last night, Bright Eyes? She inquired with a brutal cheerfulness. I wallowed past her to the relative comfort and stability of my desk chair. I set the super jumbo-sized cup of Sahid al-Sharaf's coffee I was carrying on the blotter and then laid my head beside it. Fun's not the right word, I said with my eyes pinched shut. You could try penance or self-anesthesia. I'm not entirely sure which was the motivating factor at this point. I see. I've always admired the mature way you deal with personal problems. Thank you. Is there anything else before I set the room to spinning? Yes, you have two phone messages. She put a couple of pink message slips down in front of my nose. The first is from Ellen Stockwell, and the second is from Victor Lane. I pawed at the slips, but I couldn't bring myself to lift my head off the desk to read them. I'm having a little trouble focusing right now. Anything specific you can pass on? Not really, apart from the fact they both wanted you to call them as soon as you got in. Of course, that was several hours ago. Couldn't be helped. I was in conference with the living room floor. Would you be a pal and get Ellen Stockwell on the line for me? Might as well get that one over with before the full effects of the anesthesia wear off. Expecting bad news? I felt her at my side and then I felt a gentle hand rubbing my forehead. Expecting to be fired, or worse. God, that feels wonderful. 
She quit with a rubbing and tweaked the tip of my nose. When are you going to learn, August? I heard footsteps going away, and a moment later the phone detonated near my ear. I lunged for it, and after a bit of fumbling, managed to sit upright with the receiver cradled in close proximity to the prescribed location. I didn't dare open my eyes, though. August, are you there? Yes, Ellen, I'm here. Are you okay? You sound ill. I'm fine. A little hungover is all. She took a moment to absorb that. Is every man in my life an alcoholic? I think you made it pretty clear that I'm not in your life. Employee was the term you used. That was wrong of me, but given the circumstances, I hope you understand. She waited for me to say something, but I didn't oblige. You left your jacket at the house. I know. Throw it out or donate it or something. It's not worth bothering about. I took it to the dry cleaners. I'll get it back to you once it's cleaned. I covered the receiver and tried to clear the barnacles from my throat. The pressure only made my head hurt worse. Hello? She prompted. Sorry, I was dispatching a pink elephant. Thank you for cleaning the jacket. A long, thin sigh came over the line. This is much harder than I thought it would be. Perhaps that wasn't a realistic expectation. How did it go after I left? Okay, Quentin was very drunk. He was asleep on the bed when I got back to the room. I don't think he even remembers. I see. August, she said with a new exasperation. We are not going to be involved. I'm not going to cheat on my husband, for you or any other man. Right, but you still want me to find your daughter. I think you are feeling awfully sorry for yourself this morning. You're acting as if I've manipulated you somehow. As it turned out, I don't need you to look for Carolyn. That's why I'm calling. She came home last night. I prized my eyes open and sat up in the chair. Is she okay? Where was she? She's fine. She came back late last night, and we haven't had much time to talk. She said she went somewhere with a friend. A real friend. Not someone from... The website. Yes. I don't know all the details, but she said they decided to drive cross-country on a lark. A voyage of discovery, she called it. The bright light from the ceiling fixture was burning a hole straight through my retina to my cerebral cortex, but I still had enough brain cells left to register skepticism. Ellen, that sounds exactly like something she would say if she had been with someone from the website. What did she use for spending money? Why didn't she tell you she was going on a trip? Why didn't she tell anyone? I'm not going to debate this with you, but she mentioned that she had told Monica where she was going, and she said that she didn't plan to be gone as long as she was. There's no excuse for it, of course, but I'm inclined to forgive her. If this whole experience has taught me anything, it's that I haven't understood the real impact her brother's death has had on her. I've got to get back into her life. This is a wake-up call for me, and I'm going to treat it as such. If it's a wake-up call, then you should start by finding out where she really was. She's lying to you. Stop it. I'm not going to talk about this anymore. She paused and then continued in a calmer voice. I want you to keep the retainer. You were very kind to take this on in the first place, and you've been a real friend to me, even in the short time I've known you. I feel I owe you that much at least. Are you buying me off? You seem determined to paint everything in the worst possible light this morning. I told you it is not possible for us to have a romantic relationship. 
and now I don't think we should have any sort at all. It's not that, Ellen. You're right. I do feel an attraction to you, but there's something very fishy about Carolyn's story. I think you should let me keep working on it to find out what really happened. Otherwise, you're just putting your head in the... August? Yes. I'm going to hang up now. Goodbye. Goodbye and thank you. The line clicked off. I slammed the receiver into the cradle and slumped back onto the blotter. It was a good half hour before I could work up the interest or the energy to return Victor's call. When I did, it was a very short conversation. Hilma came on the line to tell me that Victor had been beaten and robbed, and would I get down there right away? You have been listening to Candy from Strangers, a book Mystery Scene magazine described as crackling and whip smart. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com.